Welcome to the Byline Breakdown, the podcast where we dive deep behind the headlines, unpacking the stories that shaped the Mahoning Valley. I'm your host, Mike Moliterno. Today, we are journeying back to the mid-19th century to explore a little-known story of the Mahoning Valley in Trumbull County, and more specifically, Braceville Township. The story of the Trumbull Phalanx Corporation, a utopian experiment in communal living. Joining us today is Dan O'Brien, managing editor of the Business Journal and author of the story. Thanks for being here, Dan. Thank you, Mike. So the last time you were here, we talked about center of the world. We're still in Braceville. Your next one's not going to be in Braceville, is it? No, it's not going to be in Braceville. Okay. We've left Braceville. Probably go to Mahoning County this time. Okay. But we're still in Braceville for this one. The phalanx corporation now for people who may not be familiar if you're driving down 534 you will see two little green signs much like center of the world that say phalanx mills i lived probably a mile from there most of my life and didn't know anything about this other than there once was a mill there could you just start off by talking to us um telling us give us an overview what was the trumbull phalanx well, that's what intrigued me first about this uh, area in, in the fact that uh, the name phalanx was interesting. And from my understanding, a phalanx was this military unit right. born out of ancient Greece. And I thought, well, that's a strange name for a community in Braceville Township in Trumbull County. So I thought I'd look into that. And turns out that it was named after the Trumbull Phalanx Corporation. And I thought, well, what was that? And here it is, this uh, Fournier community, named after Charles Fourier, a utopian visionary uh, right. from France. And here it was a community that was established uh, sort of based upon his system and his teachings that uh, advocated a cooperative society and a cooperative community in which uh, folks shared all of the uh, proceeds or profits, which there really wasn't much, but shared some of the work duties and uh, everybody contributed to a certain extent in this uh, small community that grew up in the 1840s. And uh, about 40 of these Fourier communities uh, were established throughout the United States during this period. Four of them, I think, were in Ohio alone. Mm -hmm. And one of the major ones was the Trumbull Phalanx Corporation. Uh, they get the name phalanx from a root French word for a community lobby or an area, mm -hmm. uh, if you will, of a, uh, a communal building, for right. example. Um, so that's where you get the term phalanx from. But uh, it, it turned into this uh, uh, community that was attempted there in, in order to strive for this perfect society of equality and uh, and like many of these communities it didn't work i was gonna say we if it did we would know i would have heard the story probably <laughs> i would have known why they called it that but yeah. it was pretty short-lived uh, we'll get to we'll get to why um first but just in case anyone doesn't know where we're talking about we're talking about 534 in braceville yeah and it's it kind of gets bisected by eagle creek kind of runs perpendicular to it and so all along eagle creek there 
I guess, is where these people settled. Could you talk about where they were located, how they how they ended up there in that region of that p- part of Trumbull County? Yeah, this particular chapter of the Fourier's uh, were from Pittsburgh. Uh, the, the group of initial investors were from Pittsburgh, and they raised enough money to purchase some land and uh, an operating mill from Eli Barnum, uh, right along Eagle Creek. So the the mill was built, I believe, in 1811. It's not there any longer. There's some evidence of it left, or evidence of uh, the dam that that's left. But um, so they purchased a a, a, a number of acres, uh, about 1,500 acres or so, and they hugged along Eagle Creek, and. There existed, as I said, a grist mill, uh, a sawmill, uh, a couple of other operations uh, as well were there. And they believed that they could uh, turn this into, like I said before, this cooperative community in which uh, everyone shared food, everyone shared, in some cases, lodgings. Right. <laughs> so early on, there wasn't a lot of appropriate housing, so you had number of families in the same open building, almost like a dormitory, if you will. And uh, so th- this area ar- around here was, was known as Phalanx, and that's how it, it uh, came to be. A number of different uh, families had migrated there by the mid 1840s. I mean, 1845 is when it was firmly established, I believe. And by that time, um, some 200 people had settled there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe 30 some families, or, or or what have you, had had settled at. Uh, at Phalanx Mills with the, with uh, the whole idea of getting this utopian society together and striving for social reform and had these really high minded ideals associated with, uh, you know, American democracy at the time. A lot of them were uh, abolitionists. Uh, Some of them were uh, striving for uh, equality uh, for women, especially, uh, um, Angelique Martin, who I, I read some of her private correspondence, uh, she became very connected with women in the suffragist movement of uh, of that period. So it, it fit into the reform-minded transcendentalist movements of the mid-19th century, and it was quite interesting to learn about a small community in Trumbull County that reflected these very ideals. You've heard about maybe some more uh, famous attempts at utopians, such as the Oneida community in upstate New York, which is where Oneida silverware still mm-hmm. comes from. It, it was, was like the Shakers attempt. around yeah, yeah, here the Shakers and stuff like that. And, yeah. and Shaker communities, all of that really became, I wouldn't call it in vogue, but became fairly right. popular uh, along the United States in the mid-19th century. And for a while, it seemed to be doing well. I think you've got some correspondence from from the Times, some contemporary some contemporary accounts. Right. Of well, some observers. Noyes, actually, J. John Humphrey Noyes, who founded the Oneida community, collected a number of different letters that folks from Trumbull Phalanx 
had uh, written to newspapers in the region. And uh, Noyes wanted to collect a small history of utopian communities and why they failed and to kind of look at why they failed. And so he lets these characters tell the story. And it appeared early on that those who visited the community saw really a, a, a positive energy coming out of Trumbull Phalanx. Mm-hmm. It appears that like the how mills every were... cult documentary starts. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it seems like every uh, uh, concern was doing well. I mean, the the the, the mill was producing uh, lumber and timber were were being processed there. So it it, it looked as if from just tacit observation that the, this experiment could possibly work. Right. But it was also very clear that the community began to fracture even later in 1845 from some of the letters that I read. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we are going to dig deeper into the day-to-day life in the Trumbull Phalanx and talk about what ultimately led to its dissolution. So stay with us. Attention all business enthusiasts in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. The Business Journal has been your trusted partner since 1984, giving insights, updates, and fostering growth in your region. From Mahoning to Mercer, from Columbiana to Lawrence, we've got you covered. For just $10 a month or $99 a year, unlock our digital troves, or get both print and digital for only $99 a year. Make the smart business choice. Subscribe now. Before the break, Dan, you were talking about the Trumbull Phalanx and a little bit of kind of what the day-to-day life was like there. Now, we're probably, um, some of the listeners might be just imagining not much, you know, some some farmers perhaps. But this was, um, from my understanding, from your story and from uh, also talking to Megan Reed of the Trumbull County Historical Society, there was literally a small community there with schools and different trades and stuff like that. I guess, what did you find out about for the short time that it was there, the the day-to-day lives of these people? Well, you know, the objective, of course, was to live together in some sort of perfect harmony. Um, The schooling and child-rearing was communal in nature. Uh, So everyone kind of took responsibility for that. But it wasn't easy. Um, some of the letters that that I examined talked about if you're going to join this community, you better be ready to tough it out a little bit. Right. <laughs> uh, in fact, by 1845, you could sense some fracturing already in the uh, in, in in the community. One uh, letter written by one of the leaders in the community. Uh, referenced the fact that 10 families had already left. Mm-hmm. Some were complaining of the bad food. <laughs> right. Some were complaining about other uh, tasks that they had to do uh, that they really weren't qualified to do or had no experience to do or the labor was a little bit more difficult than they had first envisioned. But I'll give you an idea of what is there's a there's a really interesting quote. I think yeah. that's where you're going. Okay, right, I was right, going to say right. I was going to read this a guy gets bit real of, high and mighty of, about of, these complaints. Yeah. So <laughs> so you can you can 
give an idea of where they were at. And I'll read you a a little excerpt from a letter um, written by a man by the name of Mr. Meeker, who was one of the leaders of the community. Um, You know, if you were willing to join this community, you'd have to be willing to, quote, unquote, endure privations to eat coarse food, sometimes with no meat, but with milk for a substitute, to live on friendly terms with an old hat or coat. Yeah. (laughs) And at the same time, maintain long work days. And he says, those who, quote, unquote, sigh for the flesh pots and leeks and onions of civilization or growl because they cannot have eggs and honey and ham and warm biscuit or butter for breakfast should stay where they are. Right. <laughs> so that's not a very enticing selling point to no. move into the Trumbull phalanx. It's but not you'd very be surprised inviting. at the number of reform-minded people such as Angelique Martin and her husband who uh, flock to these communities and lived there the rest of their lives, right. really, yeah. uh, while it was in an organized commune. Uh, what it does actually reflect is the liberal-minded uh, bent in this part of Trumbull County, in this part of northeastern Ohio, in actuality, during the mid-19th century. And uh, that, to a certain extent, lays a foundation for reform movements yet to come. Well, other than the horrible marketing done by Mr. <laughs> Meeker, yeah. um, what were some of the other uh, factors that 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 played into yeah. the end of the phalanx. Well, financial problems continuously plagued the entire community. Debt was always a problem. Uh, there was no real money exchanging hands uh, within the community either. It was mostly done on barter, but debt remained a, a nagging problem. Uh, and although early on it sort of looked as if this would prosper, uh, the daily grind and keeping up with creditors became more and more difficult each year. Secondly, uh, the community was hit by illness, probably born from flooding around Eagle Creek, which today, yeah. you know, I'm aware. being from Braceville, yeah. it still floods uh, yeah. fairly predominantly after heavy rains. So that was uh, an issue as well. At one point, it uh, incapacitated uh, a third of the workforce. So that obviously impacted production and impacted uh, day-to-day business life within the community. And thirdly, it attracted folks who, as I mentioned before, really weren't prepared for this lifestyle. Uh, many of them didn't have to really qualify to come in. You didn't have to have any sort of religious predisposition. You did not have to have any sort of experience in a trade or being an artisan. Some of them felt that they could just move in here and just hang out right. and not do the required work that this system intended or actually required of the community. So a lot of them, uh, according to some of the more uh, determined members, were treated as more of a drag on the community rather than an asset to it. And Dan, just uh, one more thing before we go. Your story kicks off with um, a letter from Angelique Martin. Could you talk a little bit about who she is? 
you know, Angelique Martin is a is an interesting person. To give you an idea on how folks were were drawn into this, Angelique Martin was highly educated. Her and her husband Giles were both born in France. They lived in England. Uh, they eventually immigrated to the United States, ending up in near Marietta, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were acolytes of Charles Fourier. And when they heard about a Fourier community being established within a day or two's ride from Marietta in Trumbull County, uh, they leapt at the opportunity. They were very, very reform-minded people. In fact, their daughter would become one of the most important portrait painters and artists of the 19th century, for at least female artists of the 19th century. She's oh. extraordinarily talented. And uh, she, the daughter would never live at the community. She had already moved on to Cincinnati where her artwork was already gaining some popularity. But her parents did. And uh, it's there that they, they, they continue to remain. And you read this correspondence between Angelique Martin, which is now at uh, Marietta College. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting to see her writing letters to uh, reformers such as Lucretia Mott, who was instrumental in the women's rights movements of the 1840s and the 1850s, referencing their friend William Lloyd Garrison, one of the more famous abolitionists of the day uh, in, in, in the 1850s. So you get an idea of how these folks thought. And although their quest for a utopia failed, uh, the sense of a reform in the mid-19th century that you know, touched upon all of those, those, those big questions and events and movements such as abolitionism and uh, women's rights uh, certainly had an impact on the course of American history over the next three or four decades. Well, Dan, it is a fascinating story. I, as a former Braceville resident, was very intrigued to to hear about it and had no idea that any of that uh, was behind it. So thank you very much for being here. Sure. Anything you want to know about Braceville, Mike, and where you're up, let me know. (laughs) You got it. I'll be on it. I'll start pitching you other more ideas. Uh, Thank you for joining us uh, at the Byline Breakdown. If you enjoyed today's episode, you're going to want to check out Dan's story. We also did a video of it. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Mike Moliterno. You wouldn't drive a car without a map. So why navigate the business world of Northeastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania without the Business Journal? Trusted since 1984, we're the compass pointing you to growth and prosperity. Digital, print, why not both? We've got subscription options tailored for every business-savvy individual. Light up your path to success. Subscribe to the Business Journal today.